Support for the Quite Unusual Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Hygiene Bundle for the man in your life, the Performance Package. Help him join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code quite unusual at manscaped.com. And if my math is correct, which <laughs> I think it is, that's about 16 million clean shaved balls. I mean, well, give, give or take a ball. Look, guys, the truth is women don't like hairy balls. Mm-mm. I mean, we don't have balls, but if we did, I can promise they would be hairless. Manscaped has everything you need to get your sweaty, hairy balls gross and bush under control and out of my face. It's not just for men. It's for everyone. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived. And to call us obsessed is an understatement. We're obsessed. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold, well, I, I guess anything you want to travel with. First, we have the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest trimmer ever. You dare. I used it, and my lawn has never been more manicured. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer, which we did take turns using. We did. It's waterproof, so it's super easy to clean between uses and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs on our delicate, ladylike little noses. But it's still powerful enough to blast through that horrendous forest I know all of you men have growing inside your nostrils. Ban your smelly balls with their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. It's like a skincare routine, but for your balls. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts. The super soft Manscaped boxers, which are now my favorite PJs, and the Shed Travel Bag, which also doubles as a great makeup bag. It's time to take care of the hairy people in your life. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with code QUITEUNUSUAL. That's right, 20% off and free shipping if you use the code QUITEUNUSUAL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use our code QUITEUNUSUAL. Get those hairy balls and bush under control with Manscaped. Whoa, how how did you do that? I don't know. It just came out of me. It was amazing. Quite unusual. Do it in, do it in the robot voice. <laughs> okay, let me do it. Hello, and welcome to the Quite Unusual Podcast. I am Nicole. And I am Human Noel. <laughs> Nicole has been replaced. Okay, well, I'm just going to need you to look at a series of photos first and tell me which one of these has a car in it. Wow, 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> Guys, everyone, she she did pass the test. She was able Ooh. to identify which of the photos had cars in them. So we're allowed to return her to her human body. You know what? One had like a sliver of a headlight and I wasn't sure. So I just went with it. And That's I guess I it do. was the right choice. Did you, are you telling me that you guessed wildly at the robot <laughs> test? I did. I did. Uh-oh. What does this mean? She's back in her robot form. Oh, no. Look at these photos and tell me which one has a light post in it. I don't know what that is. Fuck. Shit, you guys. Shit, I'm a robot. <laughs> Fuck, I'm a robot. Uh, anyways, this is, I don't know if I already said this, this is the Quite Unusual Podcast. You didn't, but your robot form did. Yes, my robot form. Yes. Did. Welcome uh, back, normal human, Nicole. Thank you. It's nice to have you here. It's nice to be here. In your <laughs> flesh and body form. Okay, so we have a fan mail. Um, we did. We have a website where you can send us fan mails. It's a lot easier than um, our uh, Gmail. Yes, you can send it if you go to www.quiteunusualpod, right? Is that quite, what's quiteunusualpod.com. Is that our website? I hope so. Quite unusual pod. We're finding out what our website is right now. <laughs> Hold on. We've only ever been to it a handful of times. Just, but it is live, and it is up, and it is wonderful. It is. It's, it's going right. to blow your mind. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Um, our friend Alex made it. Shout out to Alex. He's amazing. Shout out to Alex. Um, and there's a spot on there where you can send us little like little messages. And yeah. we've gotten some weird ones. And also we've gotten some nice ones. So get, would you like to read this since you're our Disney girl? Sure. So if you guys remember on the last episode when we were talking about Disney, um, I don't know how we got into talking about Disney. I don't know. I don't know how we talk about anything. I don't know how we talk about anything either. But we were questioning whether or not there was a train that went in between parks. Oh yeah. yeah. Or mm-hmm. no, no. Noel said you could just walk in between parks, and I was like, pretty That's sure you. I was like, pretty sure you can't do that. I think you have to take like a tra- there's a train or something. So we got a fan mail from our friend Lauren, who has cleared up the walk slash train, I guess issue. Okay, so she's here to she's here to tell us what's what. So she says, sorry to say, but there is no train that takes you from park to park at Disney World, LOL. Wow, thanks for laughing at me. You just laugh in her faces? You just laugh in her faces like that one? She says, you have to take a bus, Skyliner, or monorail, depending on the park. The monorail, that's what I thought. When I was thinking train, I was thinking the monorail. The word monorail makes me immediately think of that monorail episode of The Simpsons. I haven't seen that one. What? Maybe There's I like a whole know. song about like monorails and like well, a mar- it's March versus the monorail. It's iconic. It's not not a train. So I'm kind of right. I'm taking the win here. Okay? Monorails aren't not not trains. She continues. There is, however, a train at Animal Kingdom that can take you to Rafiki's Planet Watch. So maybe that's what Nicole was thinking about. Anyway, let's go to Disney World. We go every year for Halloween. Lauren, I want to go for Halloween so bad. Well, let's go with Lauren and her family. Lauren, can we just hop on to your fam? We're going to wear really good costumes, I promise. We will. We're going to dress up as, um, uh, we're going to dress <laughs> as, um, a blue M&M. No, that sexy green M&M with the, the high heel boots. Oh, yeah. And a conservative that's mad that they're too sexy. Yeah. Oh, wait. Are they mad that they're not sexy enough anymore? No, they're mad that they're too sexy. Are you sure? I think they're mad they that mad, they're not sexy anymore. Weren't they mad that there was like a was is there a trans M M&M? and M? No, they're fucking candy. There's candy with legs. But weren't they? They were saying something about like. Yeah, well, I know that. You know what? I don't fucking know. This is melting my brain. Let's not talk about this anymore. Yeah. Let's just talk about. We'll brainstorm good ideas. We for have costumes. Velma and Daphne costumes. Yeah, but we already wore them. It's going to be Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Dumb and Dumber. We could. 
I had the I had the idea that we for this year for Halloween should go as Noelle should go as the marvelous Miss Maisel and I should go as Susie. That's really good because also Susie Meyer because that is basically our personalities. That's not not our relationship as well. It's really it really is. I already have the outfit. Yeah, um, actually, I already have an outfit you can wear. It's just a, all I need is a plunger. It's a plunger with like a green jumpsuit. Yeah, if you guys haven't watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, highly recommend. By the it's way, really good. I'm not done with the last season. I'm savoring it. It ends really well. Does it? Yes. It's so good. No so complaints with the ending. So, so far, so good. I want to look at all of her costumes too. Like, there's a part where she's like going through like the costumes or the, her outfits and mm-hmm. stuff. Oh my god, I would die to see them. I know. Yeah, all of her dresses. Uh, I want to do a quick shout out to the good people over at popsbiju.com. They sent us the coolest walking game. I'm so excited to play. Ever. It's called Cultivate. Yes. And you, like the whole, it's a board game. It's amazing. And you play as a cult leader and you try to like indoctrinate as many people as you can, but other cult leaders can take your like (laughs) your devotees. It's like the game of life, but if you were in a cult and you were the leader. Yeah, and it's so cute. It's like all like 70s style, like the icons, yeah. and it's very, very cool. So shout out to Pops Bijou. Uh, you can get the game there at popsbijou.com. We'll put a little note in the, the show notes it's for this. It's P-O-P-S-B-E-J-O-U.com. Yes, you can also get it on Amazon. It's called Cultivate. So we may play that next month when we do our Patreon live. Or one of the lives we'll do Something. it. Yeah. I th- we yeah. got to test it out first to make sure we don't look like complete effing idiots on a live trying to play a game. Like learn a game too. That would be just annoying for everyone involved. So yeah, and we're not good at technology. So we are not. <laughs> we're it's not, not our strong suit. Not good at it. Also, next month we are going to do instead of the regular live that we always do because we have a very very busy month. We do. We I'm, will I'm be going to like two different states. It's crazy. It's crazy. You're going to three different states. I'm going to three month. different states. So four, including the one I live in. That's too, that's a lot. It's, it's that's, a lot. That's too many. It's way too many. Yes. <laughs> So next month we may do a Patreon only hangout. So mm-hmm. if you are part of our Patreon, doesn't matter what tier. If you want to get in on this hangout, we're all gonna like be on screen together, chitting, chatting. Uh, I don't know, doing doing whatever, doing the thing, man. Yeah. If you want to talk, you can talk. We could do the thing where like we we'll pull someone up if you want to like if you just want to sit there and listen, like mm-hmm. no pressure to talk. Yeah, yeah. We'll do the thing where it's like us, and then if somebody wants to jump in, there'll be like another link that mm-hmm. you can click and whatever and talk whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if you guys want to hang out with us um, on our little live, join us at patreon.com slash quite unusual. If you ent- if you join, it's only $2 for a month at, at like the lowest tier. Yeah. So you can join and you can hang out with us if you want to yeah. go ahead and do that. Yes. What are we talking about this week, Noelle? Now that we got the housekeeping out of the way. Housekeeping. So this week Sweet I want to talk shit. I want to talk about UFOs. Um, I watched that government hearing sort of this morning. Oh, yeah. I watched the whole thing. This is boring. You know what? I decided you were like, are you watching it? And I'm like, I'm not going to watch it. I'm just going to wait for like the highlights to come out and I'll read those. Like that's the highlights are like already out on they're Twitter. They're not even so. going to. I don't I'm not confident that anything's going to come out of it, but we'll see. It was a little interesting. Um, I mean, obviously UFOs and aliens. I wrote I wrote this before my little notes before the actual hearing. Mm. Um, so I'm catching up here. So there's a whistleblower. Um, he's. At the hearing, he's answering a bunch of questions, but a lot of times he's not actually answering. They ask him very specific questions, and he's like, mm, "I'll never tell." Or I think there's aren't there three whistleblowers? I think so, a bunch of them. He's like the main one, though. I don't know. I also feel like the term like whistleblower. I 
don't like it for some reason. Yeah. It's like it sounds like you're doing something bad. Whistle blowing. Whistle. Yeah. Or like like narcs always blow whistles. Yeah, right? It seems like you're like like eh. I don't know. I don't like it. Petition to make a new term for whistle blowing. Yeah. Because I don't like it. But it was sort of interesting. They disclosed that they have craft, um, they have one intact and partially intact crafts. They also have non human bodies. Like so I don't know if that means like alien. They've confirmed the government has confirmed this. That's what this guy said. Oh, the whistleblower. He yeah. said and the government hasn't said whether or not that's true. He well, he was asked by one of the committee members if they found bodies in the craft and he said yes. And she asked if they were of human origin and he said no. Oh my Sue. So, I don't know what that means, but oh, that means aliens. Well, it just <laughs> might. What that means. But today we are going to bring it back to the late 1980s mm. in a little place called Gulf Breeze, Florida. My favorite part of researching this story was reading the million contemporary news articles. Mm. You love those. I love them so much. And like it's such like recent history, but far enough back that there are physical news articles to be read on it. You know what? We th- we don't think of the 80s as being that far back. But it's so far away. It is very far away. Yeah, it's 40 years ago. Yeah. But it seems like two weeks ago. Or like, remember, remember when we were in like high school and we like thought like 70s fashion was cool? Mm-hmm. Well, now people in high school think 90s fashion is cool because it's like the same distance away. Yeah, but they're <laughs> they're wrong. They're wrong. 90s is not cool. <laughs> 90s isn't cool. And also they're cherry picking. Okay. In the 90s, I wore almost exclusively like two large of T-shirts. Yeah. And then also like weird denim. They're picking the best from the 90s. That's for sure. Yeah. They're like doing like the big pants little top thing, which I approve of. It's great. It's a great look. But that's not true 90s fashion. No. They're wrong. Call me when all the t-shirts say 99% angel, 1% devil. Call me when you guys start wearing motherfucking Jankos, okay? Dude, I want Jenko jeans so bad. With the chains so long that you kind of trip on them when you walk. I had a pair of... um, black pants like that like the bondage pants from hot topic and they were like mm. my prized possession and then i got in trouble at school and i wasn't allowed to wear the chains anymore always did because chains would, weren't allowed in school they, they like banned them They're like you're gonna scratch the plastic <laughs> chairs right. it's like um i'm sorry i'm trying to channel my inner goth demon so i don't give a fuck about your chairs no one did everyone just Thank you. fucking drew on them anyways so yeah, it doesn't matter right? who cares but Jinkos are back. Um, Hot Topic is selling that those pants again. And I shan't be buying them this time. But no. I do want a pair of Jinkos. I do not. Jinkos fucked. <laughs> I'm okay with not my skinny jeans. I'll hold on to those forever. I love that journey for you. Thank you. I love it. I love that there's denim options now. Uh, are there? <sighs> I don't know. Anyways, let's talk about this story. So this event that we'll be talking about will go on to be called the Gulf Breeze UFO Incident, which is a perfect name because there's UFOs, incidentally, and it's in Gulf Breeze, Florida. How clever. Who would have thought to come up with that name? I love like a tidy little package like that. You know what I mean? It's fantastic. I remember watching the Unsolved Mysteries of this. I think that's why (laughs) this one was on our list. Yeah. Because like it was one of the encounters. Yeah. I watched. I remembered. I watched most of it yesterday. Yesterday when I was doing some research, a lot of things are behind paywalls now, like news articles and shit. Really? And it, I don't like that. That feels like that should be illegal. It's super not. It's like $1 gets you seven years of 
articles or some because no one buys shit. newspapers anymore. Okay, well that sucks, but the news should be free. It should be. Thank you. So our story starts on November 11th, 1987 in Gulf Breeze, Florida, where Ed Walters lived. Ed Walters, a family man, along with his wife, Frances, would take the nation by storm with a series of UFO photos. Photos that some say are nothing more than a hoax. Mm. Do you know much about this? Is this the one where they thought it was a chicken brooder? No. Then I don't remember it. No. We have talked about that, though, chicken brooders. Was that in the Fire in the Sky one? Travis Wal- Walton? Travis? Was this no, one? I think that was in the Valiant Thor one. Oh. The guy who claimed to meet Valiant Thor. Oh, yeah. I mean, people fake this shit all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever. I don't know about you. I personally want to believe. I believe aliens are real. The government's telling us that they're kind of real or something. I think it would be stupid of us to think that we're the only life form in the galaxy. Unless this is a simulation and none of this is real. And we're being played by aliens. Whoa. We are the Sims. Yeah. Yeah. Any moment now, the stairs are going to disappear and we're going to drown in our own Just going to fall into a black hole. And then the Grim Reaper will show up. Yep. But then we'll date him. So We'll seduce him. You will. That's your your power. (laughs) It's my job. (laughs) So at the same time um, as me wanting to believe, I feel like every time I look at a photo that someone shows me of like something paranormal or like aliens or like a ghost or whatever, I immediately think that it's fake. Well, you have to look at it like that. You have to look at it in a way where it's like, how could how could th- how could this be faked? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just you're doing a disservice to yourself, right? As a paranormal investigator, that's true. I don't know why I said it like that. I just, investigator, I li- investigator, investigator. Oh, it's like an alligator. Oh my god, new cop drama. This one's getting too talky. I'm sorry, but hear me out. Cop drama. It's an alligator called the investigator. And he wears like a little like suit jacket. Yeah, and he investigates paranormal crimes. But he walks on two feet. Obviously, because he's also a reptilian. Yeah. Okay, we did it. When the writer's strike is over. <laughs> he walks on his back legs and he We're carries a little it. notepad. Oh my God, amazing. Okay, this is too talky. I'm so sorry to everyone listening to you this. You brought that up. I'm me. sorry. I couldn't stop picturing the alligator or investigator. So... We're going to talk about the real story now. I'm sorry if anyone had to, whatever. Thank you for hanging out here. Okay, (laughs) here we go. Ready? The first sighting happened the night of November 11th after Ed was home from a long day of work, working as a contractor for his own construction company. The family, 40-year-old Ed, 17-year-old son, Dan, 10-year-old daughter, Laura, and his wife, Frances, who I was unable to find the age of, but... Doesn't matter. She's ageless. Doesn't matter. She Yeah, we don't... Talk about women's ages. No, it's rude. So they were all sitting around in their living room watching television. Ed had seen a bright light outside the front of his house, shining through the palm trees out front. Since their home at 612 Silverthorne, I think Silverthorne Road, in Gulf Breeze, Florida, was on a peninsula surrounded by water just across from a Navy base. They were used to seeing plenty of weird, just like strange, unexplainable lights in the sky, and they just chalked it up to like airplanes and helicopters and stuff usually. Right. But what Ed and his family saw that night was completely different. He saw a bright blue beam that he described as being strong and wide the moment he walked out of his front door to see where the light was coming from. He rushed into his house to grab his Polaroid camera, and he began taking photos. 
Ed claimed to have seen a silvery blue craft hovering in the sky and a blue beam shining down from it. Ed Walters claims that the classic saucer-shaped object was hovering about 200 feet above the ground. He would go on to describe the moment as being, quote, right out of a Spielberg movie. Mm. That's right. He does this in his book that he wrote, and there's two of them, actually. It's called The Gulf Breeze Sightings. What year was this again? 87. I wonder when Close Encounters was. I wonder if he was influenced by that. Ooh, I don't know. Look it up. Unlike the flying saucers in the movies, this one did not spin. It looked like it was suspended in the sky, and it was barely moving. 1977. So, yeah. Ooh, 10 years. It was dotted with portholes, and some were lit up and others were not. It was made up of four sections, a small dome atop of a large saucer shape with a smaller, thinner saucer under that, and two small rings of light under that, and then a large circular light underneath that. Is that making sense? It's like the so classic. I'm, I'm thinking of it as like a layered cake, but layered with saucers. Yeah, it's, it looks of. literally exactly like our tattoos. Like the like a Mexican classic, hat? Yes, Mexican <laughs> hat UFO. All right. And there's a bunch of these pictures that are actually, there's I think 32 total photos. So I'll post a bunch of them on the social meets and stuff so everyone can see what we're looking at. While taking photos, the craft moved suddenly in the blink of an eye, positioned right above him. He was immediately immobilized out of fear, awe, and like a secret third thing that he was just completely unable to describe. He's like, I was frozen with fear. And awe. And also, I was frozen. Wait, he wouldn't tell anyone what the third thing was that he, he like, was frozen by? Couldn't or describe with? it. He was just like, I was frozen with fear and awe. And then I was also frozen with something else. Mm. Yeah. Undisclosed, redacted. Okay. It's kind of weird, but whatever. <laughs> He's not, not a weird guy, Nicole. All right. The blue beam bathed him, and he believes that that's what was holding him still. He felt a rush of adrenaline, and he was unable to scream. He said he felt like he was inside of a vacuum. Tractor beam. Absolutely. His brain felt like it was being squeezed, and the right side of his forehead felt like it was being punctured by a knife. The rest of his body was completely numb. He was slightly lifted off the ground for about 20 seconds, and when he was finally able to scream, a voice spoke to him directly in his brain. The voice said, Nicole's going to do our robot voice. Okay. You got this? I got it. Okay. Let me know if this is the robot you want to be. All right. Okay. The voice said, We will not harm you. In like a super robotic voice. And then it continued. Calm down, please. Calm down. He said that he was hit with the smell of cinnamon and ammonia. He said it burned his nose and the back of his throat. An odd combination. Yeah, burn, yeah. but I've read a lot that burned cinnamon is like a smell people smell when they encounter gray aliens. Really? Mm-hmm. I've never heard. Oh, wow. It's like a weird, like spicy, burny, but like they equate it to cinnamon. Okay. He continued to scream as he heard a calming voice in his head trying to relax him. Ed let out a big, I should do Ed's voice since you're doing the robot voice. You should. But I don't know what people from Florida sound like. Uh, so I'm just going to do dad. I'm just going to do a dad voice. Yeah. Hey, screw you. Is that good? <laughs> that's dad voice? I think so. That's like my, that's all I got. Then what's hey, a, what's a dad voice you. then? What's an angry dad voice? Screw you. 
That's is just that like better? a normal voice. I don't know. <laughs> you like added a little spice with the accent. I like spice. <laughs> All right. Well, he, then he let out a regular normal dad. Hey, screw you, buddy. That's there, a good there, dad That's voice. a good there dad. Is, yeah. is. He's not from Long Island. He's from Florida. As he hovered about two feet from the ground, he was thrashing and threatening these aliens. A white noise filled his brain like a deep hum, along with a soothing female voice. Ed started seeing images of dogs in his head. Okay. Yeah. The images looked <laughs> as if they had strange writing underneath him, underneath the photos that like he was just unable to read. It was like looking at like a book, like turning pages oh, of a book. So pictures of dogs. It was photos of dogs. Like I mean, that's not bad to look at. I'd like to see like, photos of dogs. Here's a golden retriever. This Aww. one is a pug. Aww. Have you seen a Boston Terrier? Stop it. Yeah, so just like dog after dog was like showing up in his head. <laughs> and there was like a soothing female voice being like, calm down. That calm seems like down. the aliens like did research and they're like, what do people like? And they're like, dogs. Uh, yes. Everyone loves dogs. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. Perfect picture to show. That's a delightful thing to see yes. in this moment. Yes. He struggled enough to be able to be released from the beam, and he fell from the ground around four feet in the air. The craft disappeared in an instant, and Ed collected his five photos, and he went inside. Immediately after walking through the front door, he was visibly shaken, and his wife asked him why he smelled like burned cinnamon. Oh, okay. So, Nicole, I put two photos for you here. These are the photos that he took that night. Uh, these look fake as fuck. They're amazing. These are amazing <laughs> photos. The bottom it's, one is kind of good. The bottom one is the one that I was like, that's definitely fake. But hear me out. It's 1987 and he is taking this on a Polaroid camera outside at night. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll stick with me here. Okay. Yeah. So at the end, at the end, I want you to tell me if you think it's real or fake. Okay. 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 The next day, Ed took the photographs that he had taken to the Gulf Breeze Sentinel newspaper, which, by the way, the original article is behind a paywall, and I didn't read it. Uh, no. You wouldn't even pay a dollar? It was so much more than a dollar. It was like $9 oh, for like... Then that No, we're not doing that. If it's a dollar... I would pay a dollar. We will pay a dollar. I'm not going to pay $9. No. I'm not going to do it. I mean, it would give me like a lifetime subscription, but I promise I will never <laughs> order, or I will never read another article from them. No. So as we all know... There is no money in seeming like a crazy UFO person. Well, actually, I guess there wasn't money. Now there is money in it, right? Is there, though? I don't know. I feel like if you're like Tom DeLonge, there is. Or like. Well, he started that whole like organization. Yeah. He didn't like get rich and famous. And he also was a member of. Maybe if you are famous. Biggest punk bands of all time. Maybe you feel like you already are famous. Yeah. And then, like, you believe in aliens, like, it's cool and you can profit off of it. But if it's just, like, I'm running around screaming out aliens, I get arrested. Well, think about the people in Las Vegas where it just happened where they were, like, they called 911 and they were, like, there are two people. You get, like, a brief stint of media attention. But after that, it's, like, everyone forgets about you. You're just the one that, like, faked an alien thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd just like to call out for a hot minute. If you guys hear any buzzing or, like, other noises, our neighbors are having their lawn mowed right now. So, shout out to them. Yeah, it's not like I didn't just thunderstorm for four Right, I don't know why they're doing this right now. They always have to mess with our recording. Summer is a podcaster's (sighs) biggest enemy. Worst nightmare? 
I don't fucking know. I don't know. Whatever. All right, going back to it. So the next day, Ed took these photographs to the Sentinel, to the Gulf Breeze Sentinel newspaper. Mm-hmm. Ed didn't think that he should put his name like out into the world and say like, "It's me, Ed Walters. I took these photos," because yeah. he didn't want to seem like a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want his family. It's a good choice, I, I feel like. Definitely, he thought his family would get ridiculed. He thought he'd lose his well, I guess not lose his job, but no one would hire him as a contractor. Mm. So he decided to choose an alias. And he chose the coolest aliases I have ever heard in my really? life. Really? Usually they're so stupid. Oh my God. Are you ready? These are fucking genius. Yeah. You're never going to guess what he's going to choose. Okay. Mr. X. Oh, okay. Mr. Ed. Oh, ooh, no one's going to guess that. Or Jim. He went by Jim. Simply Jim. You know what? I like that. Throwing people off. Simply Jim. Just Jim. Just Jim. <laughs> These were taken by just Jim. Just Jim. So Mr. X is the main one he used. That's kind of cool, though. It's got, I mean, it's the best out of the three. Yeah. I'll give him that. Okay. I mean, can't you just say anonymous source? I would make up something like wildly. Like a name? Like crazy. Like an like alias name? Cornelius Mistopheles. That's fucking really good. <laughs> that just came to me. I don't even that, I don't know. That's really good. Thank Write you. that down. <laughs> that would be my anonymous name. So if anything ever comes out with that name... You guys, I guess it's not so anonymous anymore. Cornelius Mistopheles. Perfect. Before he had brought these photos to the newspaper himself, he had tried to get a neighborhood kid named Tommy Smith to take them to the newspaper in his place. He's like, hey, I'll pay you if you take these and just say, I don't know where I got them, but there are these right. photos. And the kid was like, ew, no, what? What? Go, go no, go away. I would from be like, me. yeah, give me ten dollars. I'll do it. Yeah, no. The kid was like, I'm not fucking doing that. Okay, you're above sending this dude's pictures to the newspaper. Whatever, right? kid. Like, have some fucking chill, Tommy Smith. Mm. So Ed did it himself. He dropped them off, but he had a friend at the newspaper named Dwayne. So he dropped them off at Dwayne. I was like, this guy, Mister X, wanted me <laughs> to give these to you. And Dwayne was like, okay, wink, not Mr. X. Sure. About nine days later, Ed's alien friends came back. Ed came home from work and he walked through the front door like he always does and announced, I'm home. (laughs) Okay. And then he noticed that there was a ringing in his right ear. The ringing got louder and louder until it was unbearable. The right side of his forehead had begun to ache again and his wife had to help him from falling down in pain he felt a blast of air inside his head and again came the calm voice the voice spoke in what ed guessed was an african dialect what yeah i don't know why he would fucking say that i feel like florida how do you know what an african dialect like there's no way like i feel like it just wasn't english and he was like well that simply must be african it it must be So it's speaking in this probable, maybe, African dialect. Definitely not. I don't even know what, like, how I would... You can't. Right? It's there's. I don't even, yeah. So the voice was soft, and he described it as being male. He picked up his Polaroid camera, and he walked into his front yard, and he yelled, I hear you, you bastard! (laughs) Into the sky. Wait, you should do it with the first accent that you gave him. (laughs) What was it, like Long Island? Yeah. (laughs) Parents are always Long Island to me. (laughs) Hey, I hear you, you bastard. 
There we go. There it is. That's Ed. That's Ed. Classic Florida guy. You know what? It is giving Ed a little bit, though. His energy <laughs> is really giving Long Island. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. He saw a small, bright light in the sky that seemed to be falling out of the sky at a rapid speed as the voice changed back into a robotic voice from before. It said, and he raised his camera to the sky, and then he heard three voices in harmony say, Please don't do that. Although he claims that the third voice was in Spanish. <laughs> Por favor. It's like, it's prohibited. Prohibitabido. <laughs> the female voice told him that they just wanted to run a few tests, but Ed wasn't having it. He took a photo and he yelled, I don't want to be examined. Wait, I don't want to be examined. There and if go. I did, I'd let you know. There we go. Oh, I'm not blowing people's ears out with my Ed voice. <laughs> no. Ed's a loud guy, you know. Ed's a, he's a real dad. Real dad type. The craft zoomed up to him and it went to the right side of him. That's when he heard a voice say, Step forward. We have the right to examine you. In that moment, Ed could only think that he had something he would describe as UFO madness. He's like, this is in my head. I'm going crazy. I got the UFO madness. He didn't think it was real, even though he saw all of this happening? He, like, thought he was fucking going insane. Okay. Which I, you know what? I'd be like, take me away. <laughs> there was no time to continue the thought because the aliens decided to put images of naked ladies in his brain. What is this? The, what is this thing they're doing? They're like, he doesn't like, he's not a dog guy, so maybe he's a boob guy. <laughs> if he's not a dog guy, he's got to be a boob guy. <laughs> like, men like two things, dogs or boobs. <laughs> I can't do it. You do it. Boobs. That's perfect. <laughs> so they put images of naked ladies in his brain to try to entice him to listen to their commands. He took a photo as a craft zoomed by and he heard them say, We will come for you, bitch. I added that last part. Did you? I did, yeah. Sorry, that was I was just improving there. I just felt it. You know. It's good. In the moment you became the alien. Thank I saw you. it. Thank I saw you. it. In the middle of the night on December 2nd, Ed heard what he had thought was his pool filter dislodge in the backyard. He was then awoken to the sound of a baby crying. And he was like, I don't have a baby. <laughs> Wait, do I have a baby? Along with the baby, he heard voices he realized were coming from the inside of his head. The voices were speaking Spanish. But they were coming from inside the house, meaning it's his head. Inside the head, yeah. The, the house of his body. Yes. Ed was fluent in Spanish, though, because at some point in his life, him and his wife were like, we should move to Costa Rica for a while. And then they lived there for like three or four years. Oh. And then they came back. Okay. So I don't know what that's about. Slay. He, absolutely. But he said he understood them completely. Yeah. He claims the voices were a male and a female and that they were unaware that he was listening. But, like, I don't know why he would say that. <laughs> because, like, what were they taught? Like, don't tell Ed we said this, you know? Yeah, I mean, Ed can't know this, but... Right, like, they were just, like, having a conversation. He's like, I think these guys, they don't know I'm listening. Like, how did he tap into their, like, I don't fucking wavelength? Ed's, like, what? That's a great guy, man. Okay, Ed. So he grabbed his brand new gun, and he sat on the floor of his bedroom. Because the first time, after the first, like, sighting, 
Mm-hmm. He's like, I should get a gun to protect my family. He lived in Florida and he didn't already have one? I mean, it was the 80s. Weird. And then the second sighting, he's like, yeah, I'm for sure getting a gun. And he bought like a bunch of fucking guns. Damn. Frances awoke and she saw Ed sitting on the floor reaching for his gun on the night side, on his bedside table. So she decided to join him. Ed felt the rush of wind again and then he began to hear a low humming building in his right ear. He crawled with his gun in his hand to the front door, like army style, mm. followed by his wife, Frances. Frances just believed everything that he was saying about the UFOs and aliens. She just trusted him completely. She's like, Ed would never lie to me about this. Like, he, he knows what he saw. He's fucking going insane. So something is happening. Like, he's filling the house with guns. Where was she when it first happened? She, she must not have been home. She was just, like, or? inside. She just stayed. And he wasn't like, hey, come out here. No, they remember they were all inside watching television. Yeah. And then he went outside. and she. Came. Oh, and he was frozen. And yeah. And he was like, you'll never believe what just happened. Yeah. And then she's like, why do you smell like cinnamon? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So Francis just crawled behind him. Ed opened the front door and he crawled out onto the porch. Frances stayed inside looking through the window and she was holding their dog, Crystal, to keep her quiet. You know, A soft glow came from overhead. The glow once again dropped from the sky quickly and a full-sized craft appeared before him. This time, Frances saw it too. So we got back up here, okay? okay? But they are married, so I don't know. Yeah. Ed grabbed his camera when the voice in his head shouted, He ran outside and he ran from cover to cover, like porch to porch, trying to hide from the aliens, but also take pictures of what he saw, like some like secret agent ass, like with his gun and his Polaroid. He's got a gun in one hand and the Polaroid in the other. And Francis is at home like, I hope he's safe out there. Holding the dog. Crystal's like barking. Crystal's being a real dick about it. Crystal's a dick. (laughs) After the craft disappeared... Ed went back inside and he demanded that Francis help him unplug anything electric in the house that may give off a humming noise. Why? Because he said that when he heard the humming, he thought it was the pool filter. Okay. And he doesn't want to mistake the pool filter or anything else anymore for the alien's arrival. So if you eliminate everything that could be humming, when he hears the hum, He'll know. Oh, so when the the hum means that the aliens are there. Yeah. And if he hears, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So he made her go around with him and like unplug everything electric in the house. The same night, a little bit later, Crystal let out a single bark as if to wake up only Ed. Mm-hmm. Ed crept out of his bed towards the enclosed pool at the back of their house. He wore only his tidy whiteies and tube socks. Slay. That's a. How do you sleep like that? Especially if you think aliens might come and attack you, like in the middle of the night. Don't you think you would be like wearing stuff to like prepared for that? I'm just gonna. <laughs> I right? mean, I would. I'd and, be like, yeah. I'm just gonna say this. People that sleep naked. I mean, I'm not gonna yuck your gum. I love that for you. If that's your journey, don't you get cold ahead. though? What do you do if you have to leave the house immediately? Robe nearby. Yes, I, I guess know. I guess so. But also, if I was being actively stalked by aliens, I'd probably wear like pants and a shirt. I would probably like go to bed with my shoes on that night, <laughs> out of the bed, just in case. Yeah. So he's running around in his beautiful tidy whiteies and tube socks, and he pulled the drapes away from the glass door that separated the house and the pool. 
Before him stood a four-foot-tall figure wearing a dark gray bodysuit, a helmet with glass on the front that revealed large black eyes, and it was holding a glowing rod-like object. This was a classic gray alien that he was describing. Ed screamed, and he fell backwards. The creature stared at him with its giant, wet, sad-looking eyes. Even though he pointed his gun at him, the alien didn't give a shit. But he had sad eyes. He, he did. was he, sad about it. He said it in the book so many times. <laughs> they had giant, wet, sad eyes. Were they crying? No, they're or? just like, I don't know, maybe like prove it like they were real and not mm. like plastic looking or something. Okay. <laughs> I don't fucking know. This is how he felt. He felt like they were sad. Frances woke up and she came out to see Ed and she saw the alien face to face as well. The alien then turned to its left and it walked away without any reaction, which made Ed super fucking mad for some reason. So he tried to unlock the door like as fast as he possibly could to go out there and yell at these aliens. He had to put the camera and his gun down because he said he needed two hands to open the door. But when he went out, he conveniently forgot to pick up his camera and his gun again. So this is why he doesn't have any photos of the alien. So he went to confront the alien, but forgot the key piece, two of the key pieces that he needed for this confrontation. Arguably the only key pieces. Okay. Yes, correct. Uh, Sounds a little fake to me, Ed. (sighs) The moment he made it outside, he was again frozen in a beam of blue light. And remember, Francis can see all of this through the window. Okay. So the beam began, began lifting him by his leg first. Why isn't she taking pictures then? I don't know. She's stunned. She's holding the dog again. Doesn't add up. He was lifted about five feet off of the ground towards the craft that hovered about 50 feet in the air above him. He grabbed the door frame of the house and Francis grabbed his free hand and helped pull him down. The craft disappeared over the horizon and Ed hit the ground. Three days later, a larger craft appeared in the middle of the night. Once again, he heard the buzz and he also heard... Don't be afraid. Inside of his head. But this time, they also told him... You are in danger. Before the craft disappeared in a flash. So we saw it hovering, he heard these warnings, and then it, like, dipped out. Hmm. Twelve days later, on December 17th, Ed was awoken in the middle of the night again. This time, though, by a flash of bright light in his head. In his head? Yeah, you know, like, in movies where it's, like, the dark scene and then all of a sudden it's white because, like, they just want to fucking burn your retinas out or something? Yeah, like, the whole room is, like, Yeah, he said that's what it looked like in his eyes. Oh. Like, behind his eyelids. Weird, okay. He opened his eyes to see three dark figures standing next to him and more moving about the room. He tried to scream for Francis to wake up, but no words came out of his mouth. Which I'm just going to put out there sounds exactly like sleep paralysis to Okay, me. sometimes I have dreams, though, and it's not, it's like I'm actually dreaming, and mm-hmm. I'm like, like, constantly I need to scream and I can't. That's like a reoccurring dream. It's different scenarios, but like, either I'm being chased by someone mm-hmm. and I'm just like. Yeah, like you can't make a noise. And I just can't make a noise. Yeah, I have dreams like that, too. I where just stress dream. Out. Oh, for sure. But do you see people walking around your room? No, no, not that. I know they're dreams. It's just like a part, me in the dream. I just can't scream. Nothing will come out of my mouth. So the most frustrating dreams. Or like if you can't run anywhere or something. 
So yeah. Well, I just had a dream that my, my teeth were falling out too. So that's that must mean I'm very stressed. I have those all of the time. I'm just pulling them out of like my bottom, like front teeth. That's terrifying. I always lose my front, the top teeth. I wore my bottom and then I was like feeling my gum with like my tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Like in my dream. Oh. Trying to find a dentist. And then you woke up and you panicked and you touched all your teeth. I did. Yeah, <laughs> That's I did exactly what I did. So Ed definitely, it wasn't a dream, he claims. Um, it wasn't sleep paralysis, he claims. But he said he saw these little dark figures walking around. The creatures all turned left and they exited the room almost instantly. He was hit by the hum and a sharp pain behind his right eye again. He began to thrash, with, which woke up Francis who did not see any aliens. Okay. But she saw them the night before. Um, yeah, it was, this was, it was like a few days before she okay. saw it and he got like pulled up in the tractor beam and she helped him like come yeah. back to earth. So he grabbed his camera and he went out his front door to see the alien craft in front of him. He took another photo and suddenly the light at the bottom of the craft let out a cloud of steam and began dripping a strange liquid. After the craft left, he put some of the liquid in a plastic baggie for later, quote unquote, research. Although I could not find whatever happened to this weird, like, bag of space jizz. Wait, really? So maybe because I don't know where Maybe. Maybe. So I feel like say. that would be, like, that would be the piece of evidence that would, like, determine whether or not this was real. He, claim, he like, claims to have collected a couple different pieces of, quote unquote, like, evidence. Yeah. And then he's like, we just, we don't have the technology to test what this is. So I'm uh, just going to keep it. <laughs> what? Are, I'm sorry. Are you a scientist? Also, it's 1987, Ed. Like, come on. You can test space jizz to at least just make sure. I don't know. It's not like gasoline or something that he's trying to prank us with. Right. He like did that thing that cops do where he like rubbed some of it on his gums to like see what it was. <laughs> yeah. And the aliens were like, gross. Ew. I just shit that out. Wait, you do it. I just shit that out. Oh, gross. Man, I wish I had the robot voice. <laughs> in the meantime, the UFO story in the newspaper was making an uproar in town. By the end of this event, over 30 people will have claimed to see a UFO in the Gulf Breeze area. Okay. So there's a lot of... So he's not the only one. No, there's tons of people seeing stuff. Okay. There's also still sightings in the area. So if anyone's looking to, like, I don't know, peep an alien or, like, have dog photos into your brain or naked ladies sexy maybe go to golf race sounds like a pretty good time (laughs) i'm here for the naked lady pictures (laughs) and also the dog pictures in my brain and the hum one day poor francis who was just again going along with all of this looks outside of her window her front window and she sees two men standing in their yard taking photos she's freaking the fuck out like who are these men they're wearing suits. Mm. One of them's like really tall. The other one's like really short. We know what this is. And she's like, this this is men in black. Mm. Like these are like government people here to like get us. Like something's going on, right? So Francis sees these two men going up and down the street, like house to house. And they're taking photos around each house, of each house, just like weird angles up into the sky, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Turns out that there were three of them. And they were MUFON members mm. named Gary, Don, and Bob. Well, those are the most basic dude names I've ever heard in my life. Either they're fake or they're just dudes. Just or they're boys just, three, boys. just three dudes having a good time. GDB, baby. 
Gary, Don, and Bob. They wore big coats, and Ed said that they had an air of, like, professionalism to them. Like, they, like, acted like authority figures. So they approached Ed, and they asked him if they could help him with his, quote-unquote, UFO problem. And he was like, hell yes, you can. Gary, Don, Bob, let's do this. We're adding an Ed to the party. And on January 12th of 1988, they called up Ed to actually come help them investigate a site. They had received a phone call from a man called Believer Bill, who claimed to see a UFO. That's my cat, Believer Bill. That's you, Bill. Actually, everyone's pretty sure that Believer Bill is actually just Ed. Oh, okay. So he called them to... Yeah, like everyone's almost positive that it was just also Ed. I mean, it sounds like one of the names he would have given himself, so I'll subscribe to that also. Mr. X. (laughs) This one's Mr. Bill. Believer Bill. Oh, no. Ed started to hear the hum, and after he had gotten off the phone, Ed started to hear the hum immediately after he got off the phone with the MUFON members. He got into his truck, and he said, I have to go return to a job site really quick for some reason, and he left. He claimed that the hum made him feel like he was being pulled places. He said it felt like it was coming out of his right, the right side of his forehead, which remembers where he always feels the pain. Mm, yeah. While driving down a county road to the job site, he was overtaken by a bright white light. The light made his arms go numb, and then his whole body had pins and needles, and then his whole body went numb, and his hands were locked on the steering wheel. All the while, his right eye was throbbing. He looked behind him while driving, and he saw a UFO through the back window of his car. It zoomed up next to him, and it kept pace for a while. He pulled over in a panic, and he grabbed his shotgun that he remembered he kept behind his seat. His hands felt fully numb, but he decided that he could probably still shoot a gun if he needed to. He also grabbed his camera... He took a photo through the windshield, and then he got out of the car, dropped to the ground, rolled under his car with his gun and his camera, and he watched what was before him. The craft stopped, and a blue beam came out of the bottom of the UFO. This happened five times, and each time a four-foot-tall alien stepped out of the craft, holding a glowing rod-shaped object like the one he had seen in his backyard. The aliens moved towards Ed in robotic movements. He decided he should probably leave and not be under his car for some reason. So he jumped out from under. He got into his vehicle and then he reversed away until it was like safe to turn around and then he drove back home. So like him going underneath his car, he thought that he was hiding from them. He does this shit all the fucking time. So he pulls his car over and then he's like, I should hide under my car. And then he does. And then he gets back in his car and leaves. Yeah. Like, why did you stay in your car, Ed? What are you doing? What are you doing? What is this man doing? Like, he, like, thinks he's, like, a secret agent or something, and he's, like, jumping around, you know? Just bad ideas left and right. The next day, two men in suits showed up to his front door. Frances's fears were realized. She claims that these were the men in black. Oh, shit. The moment Ed opened the door, they pushed past and walked in. They flashed their badges, but neither of them saw exactly what they said. The two men in suits said that they were from the Air Force Special Security Services, 
than that they needed to see the photos of UFOs that Ed had in his possession. Ed, thinking fast, told them that he didn't have any, and he gave them all to the newspaper. Mm, Clever boy. The men threatened him, and they said, if you're lying, we will be back. But he was very obviously lying, and they never came back. (laughs) Okay, bye. (laughs) Oh, you don't have them? Okay, bye. Ed told the MUFON guys what had happened, and they were like, oh, this like literally happens all of the time. I guess sometimes UFO enthusiasts will dress up in suits and pretend to be men in black. I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll, like, knock on people's doors because, like, you can get a fucking black suit anywhere. Dude, I bet you it's, like, 50-50, like, actual men in black or just, like, weirdos pretending to be. I'm sure. They, like, go to people's houses because if you know who's doing this, you can find where they live. God, I never thought about that. Yeah, so the move on people said, like, it happens all the fucking time. Like, hmm. they're just trying to get evidence from, like, regular people, and they're acting like authority figures to kind of scare you into giving it to them. Yeah. But that sounds like the single most terrifying thing, like, on the planet. Because... To have guys pretend that they're men in black. I think having actual men in black would be pretty terrifying. Not just some losers pretending to be. No, I'm saying to dress up like men in black and go to someone's fucking house would be so fucking scary. Why? Because you don't know what these people are. You're going to roll up to a man's house. It's like, yeah, I take it 45 pictures of UFOs <laughs> and I got probed and this is like all my shit. And you're going to go to his house and just go into his fucking house. What if he's like a Unabomber? What if he's like. I mean, yeah, but I used to go door to door selling Girl Scout cookies and I'm still alive. Yeah, maybe it was a different time then. <laughs> and now now I would be afraid that like someone would shoot me if I like knocked on their door, period. Yeah. Well, and it's two guys. Guys don't really think about that. That's they don't true. have really fear when it comes to people like yeah. women do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. No. Wait, never mind. I forgot. You're right. At this time, MUFON decided to launch a full-scale investigation. I don't know if I said this earlier, but MUFON stands for the Mutual UFO Network. So it's just like a it's like a. I'm a member of MUFON technically. Yeah, anyone can join. Yeah, you can just go on their website and like sign up and then you can do investigations and stuff with them if you want to. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's M U F O N. So at this point, MUFON decides they're going to do a whole like full scale investigation. They got walkie talkies that Ed offered to buy for some reason. They also gave him a locked camera, which I'm not 100% sure what that means. It's supposed to be, like, tamper-proof. So I don't know what that would look like in the late 80s. And you're the camera guy. I don't know. I tried to look it up, and I think it's, like, I saw somewhere that it's four lenses that are, like, attached together. And, like, if you try to, like, take it, like, apart or something, it breaks. Like, it's Mm. very, like, obvious if it is tampered with. So meaning tampering with where you can't do something to make it look like there's a UFO in your picture? Yeah, like you can't like open, you can't open and take the film out. Okay. Like someone else has to do that for you. Oh, okay. So he has this locked camera. He has their super cool walkie-talkies, which I like to imagine were yellow. And they're like going to do this whole stakeout thing. So the three members, Bob, Gary, and what was the other one's name? Bob, Gary, and Don. Don. Bob, Gary, and Don. I'm sorry. They were just so boring. I forgot them. <laughs> So these three men are sitting in a van two blocks away from Ed's house. They're in a parking lot of an apartment building, and they're just, like, chilling in this white van. Fine and normal? 
This is about a five-minute walk away from Ed's house. The Walters were supposed to call them if anything at all happened. So, like, if Francis saw something or, like, the kids or if Ed, like, his head started hurting or whatever, they Mm -hmm. were supposed to, like, do the walkie-talkie and say, shit's going down. Okay. On January 21st at 10.30 p.m., Bob had his camera pointed at Ed's house waiting to take photos just in case a UFO were to show up. Mm -hmm. Ed, at the same time, was walking to the van to deliver something to them. I do not know what this is. He said an item. A banana. Maybe. Who the fuck knows? One of them was really low on potassium. He was getting like the Charlie horses in his legs. Probably Bob. Seems like a Bob thing. It's Bob, yeah. Yeah. So he's walking to the van with this banana for Bob. And all of a sudden, he's hit with this hum in his right ear. Ed calls Bob and he says, it's time. Bob gets his camera ready. He's fucking pumped, dude. He's going to take a picture of a UFO. He's ready. Ed's ready. It's going down. And then conveniently, he was looking just the wrong way the whole time. What? Yeah. So he's looking up at the sky and Ed's like, there it is. There it is. There's the lights. And Bob's like, that's a that's an airplane. What are you talking about? And Ed's like, yeah, no, that is an airplane. Look over here. It's a UFO. And Bob's like. He didn't like, like point when he was saying this? So Bob's in the van. Oh, okay. And Ed's walking towards the van still. Okay. So he, like they're not face to face yet. Oh, okay. So Ed is yelling for him to just turn around and like face the other direction. Once he gets to the van, he throws the door open and he's like, it's right there. And Bob goes to look and the UFO is completely gone. Mm. Convenient. Mm-hmm. There was no evidence collected, no photos taken by MUFON, no physical evidence taken in the entire nine days of their stakeout in this van. Okay. On January 24th, around 5.30 p.m., Ed's head begins to hum again. He calls Gary, who was in the van at the time, but Gary wasn't answering his walkie-talkie. I know, he was... I don't know where the fuck Gary was. He turned it off because he took a nap. Maybe. Maybe he was like in a 7-Eleven taking a shit or something. (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) So he calls Gary. Gary doesn't pick up. So Ed's like, what do I do? The only thing I can do, I have to call my friend, Dwayne, from the newspaper. All right. So he calls up Dwayne Cook, which is, is a journalist friend of his. He went to pick up Dwayne in his car for some reason. He's like, Dwayne, I'm going to come get you. Shit's going down here. Instead of Dwayne just coming to him. Yeah, that's weird. So he goes to pick up Dwayne. And as they're driving back, Dwayne's showing him his new video camera. And he's like, look, I'm going to take film footage right now of like you driving and like whatever. And we're just fucking around with this video camera. Right. So they're driving. And the hum in Ed's head starts to get louder and louder. And he starts to get the pain in his front the front right side of his his forehead. So Dwayne, at this point, is videoing Ed, who is driving. Mm -hmm. And Ed heard something in his voice say, In sleep, you know. And they just kept repeating it over and over and over again. At this point, Ed starts to have a panic attack. And he's like freaking out and he's gripping the steering wheel weird. And Dwayne's like, what the fuck's going on? He's asking Dwayne if his face is moving or if his eye is moving. Okay. And Dwayne's like, 
no, like you're talking to me. What are you fucking talking? Like what's happening? And then Ed is panicking and he's yelling, are we going too fast? I don't like this. And Dwayne's like, I don't, what's happening? Like what's going on right yeah. now? But he's just filming this the whole time. It's like, are you on PCP? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ed's getting this weird pulling feeling again in like the right side of his head. And he says that this is what overtook him. So he pulls his car over and he takes out his camera, his Polaroid camera, while Dwayne is filming. He jumps out of the car and he starts writhing in pain on the ground. Dwayne gets out and he's videotaping this. Like, what are you like, are you okay? What's mm-hmm. happening? Why are why are you driving when you clearly cannot handle this? Like, what's the problem here? Once again, are you on PCP? Maybe, possibly. Sounds a lot like PCP. Doesn't not sound like it. So Dwayne's recording this whole thing on video. Ed looks up at Dwayne and he said he saw a UFO about 200 feet right above them. He yelled, oh, fuck, there it is. And he points and takes a photo of the sky. Dwayne looked up but didn't see anything. Okay. But he was like right over Ed. So right, it right would have them. taken like a split of a second, like split second to just him turn his head. Yeah. But he looks and there's nothing there. Okay. Nicole, this is the photo that Ed took. That also looks fake. <laughs> that looks fake as fuck. Just like the can other you, two. Can you describe? It looks like the other, like he used whatever he used. It looks like two. Well, first of all, the bottom part looks like he took two plates and put them together and like glued on like small plates. Doesn't it look like one of those tap lights at the bottom? You know, the ones that you like press and oh, they like yeah. turn on and off. I don't think those were invented though yet. I don't know when they were invented. They came out like mid 90s, like 95, I would say. It looks like he has like two small plates glued together and then like another larger plate, but the small plates are glued at the bottom of the larger plate. And then it looks like kind of like a, uh, I don't even know how I would describe this. It definitely doesn't look like a UFO. It gives like, it's like almost like the Mexican hat, like flying saucer look. Yeah, but it's thicker. It's yeah. It's does. Right? It doesn't have like the saucer part really. It's yeah. just kind of like, like that shape, but like narrow, cylindery almost. Yeah. We'll post pictures of this everywhere so people can see it. Or if you just Google, if you're in a safe place to Google something, if you Google Ed Walters UFO photos, Google image it. Mm-hmm. All of these come up. Okay. Or just Gulf Breeze UFO that they came up when I did that too. Oh yeah. Dwayne said that he saw Ed take the photo. Okay. And he saw the Polaroid come out of the camera, like immediately. And he looked at the photo. And he saw it develop into this? In front of him. Oh. And that's what he saw it develop as. So Hmm. Dwayne says he 100% believes Ed. But I was looking up what cameras were like, like what the Polaroids were, because I'm picturing like the white one that like comes out of the camera. Yeah. It's a little bit different than that. Okay. Um. This is like an earlier one. So you have to peel back a film. So like you take a picture and it comes out and it's all black. It doesn't develop in front of you without you peeling off the film first. So he could have already had taken the picture, put the film on it and then pretended to take take the picture. And then it just came out and then like peeled the film and been like, look, unless unless Dwayne saw it develop. I think Dwayne was the one that pulled it apart. 
Okay. And so if he saw it develop, then there's no really faking that. Yeah. And he saw it taken in front of him and like saw it come out of the camera. So I feel like there's right. a, a little validity to this. Yeah. I think it's it's the developing part. If he actually saw the like photo mm-hmm. develop in front of his eyes, then there's no way he would have been able to fake that unless his wife is like in the trees, like dangling this stupid thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like a... <laughs> Like a fishing pole. Right. That's what it looks like, though. It looks like somebody's dangling something like that from the trees. A few days after this, Ed is showering, and Francis busts into the bathroom to tell him that there's a UFO right outside. Ed was shocked because he didn't hear the humming. Like, he didn't, like, feel like an alien was coming. Right. But he runs out of the shower, butt-ass naked, He grabs a towel. For some reason, he does not wrap the towel around his own body. He's just holding this towel. So he's naked? He's naked. He just jumps out of the shower, grabs a towel, and he runs into his backyard, butt-ass naked, holding a towel. It seems like he's doing this on purpose. Like he likes it, right? Like he likes to be seen. Yeah. Like in his underwear slash naked. And he's using this UFO as an excuse to just flash everyone in his neighborhood. Right. He's just like ass out like in his backyard. So he's in his backyard, again, ass out, holding a towel, and he's shaking his fist at the sky and yelling at the aliens. So he's yelling, and the aliens say back to him, We are here for you. And then once again, he hears them repeating over and over, In sleep, you know, by the way, you have really weird balls. And he was like, that's not nice, okay? (laughs) I was born with the balls God gave me. (laughs) Just kidding. I added that last part. So they're they're saying this over and over again. We're here for you. In sleep, you know. And then they just fucking disappear. Mm, okay. The craft shows up again 12 days later. Ed's daughter, Laura, runs up to him while he's in the house, just like watching TV. And she says, Dad, Mom needs to talk to you outside immediately. So he goes outside and it's Laura his wife, Frances, and just like a blue beam of light coming out of the sky and it's hitting the deck next to the pool. Wow. Frances, for some reason, dives in front of Ed, like saving the president from a bullet style. Ed takes a photo at this exact moment. Ed pushes his daughter back into the house, like backwards, and him and his daughter fall on the ground. Francis crawls in and they slam the door behind them and then they crawl on their hands and knees to their son Dan's room where he was like studying or something Mm -hmm. and they're explaining to Dan like there's a UFO outside it's tractor beam is like trying to take us whatever and they all as a family crawl into a room in the house that doesn't have any windows they wait for about five minutes and then they decide that they have to make a break for it okay so they're all crawling to the garage where they go in, it's an attached garage, they pile into their van to flee. Just as the hum comes back in Ed's hearing, in his head, the aliens say, Do not deny us. We are here. Remember. Then for some reason, Ed's like, you know, we should probably just go back inside. It's fine. Everything's fine. Let's not go anywhere at all. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so they just decide to, like, go back in the fucking house. And then they're all sitting in the living room and... They're talking about, like, how crazy everything is, and they all just fall asleep there. How? I don't fucking understand. Okay. He goes from, like, zero to 60 back to zero constantly. Okay. 
On May 1st, 1988, Ed would have his last encounter with these aliens. Francis was out of town for a trip for the whole weekend, and Ed was home alone. He had his special tamper-proof MUFON camera in hand, and he started hearing the hum. Ed decides to go outside when he starts to hear the hum in his head. He takes his special tamper-proof MUFON camera out with him, and he takes two photos to his left side instinctively. He claims he captured the craft on film. Then, in that moment, the UFO moved directly above him, about 30 feet, just as Ed lost his sight completely. He's like back to like the white screen, can't mm-hmm. see anything, completely blinded. He said he felt completely numb, and he remembers feeling like he was falling. And then he wakes up, looks at his watch, and he like has lost the last hour of his life. No idea what happened. So... If he claims he got a picture of this, is there a picture of this UFO that he got on the ground with this MUFON camera? Yeah, there's all like a bunch of okay. a bunch of photos. There's th- I think 32 total, and then there's like two videos, and you can find them on the internet. Like if you just there's a Reddit page that I can post with like all the photos in it too. Oh, okay. So he has no idea what has just happened for the last hour of his life. He's laying on the ground outside. He goes inside. And he claims that he smells like burnt cinnamon again. Mm. He showers to try to get the sink off of him. And as he was combing out his hair, he felt a bump on his head. Oh, implants. Yeah, right. He has three bruises. He has one on each of his temples and then one in the middle of his eye, like in between his eyes. Mm -hmm. And each of the bruise has a tiny little red dot in the center, which Mm. is feeling very proby. Yeah, that's a probe if I've ever seen one, which I haven't, but I also have not, but I can imagine. I can imagine. I've seen a lot of movies. Yeah. There was black stinky material underneath his fingernails. He said it was kind of like tar-like, and he Mm -hmm. scraped that out and he put it in a little baggie for later research. But we don't have the technology to test it still or? Correct. Okay. Has never been tested because we simply did not have the technology. And he has come to that conclusion. He just for knows the that rest somehow. of the scientists in the world. Yeah, he like never even fucking gives it to the MUFON guys. Okay, it's like uh, we don't have the technology. I'm okay. just gonna I'm just gonna put it in this shoebox with this weird bag of water I also collected and sometimes sure. take little sips out of. Sure, sure, Ed. <laughs> As just like eating like these little like fingernail clippings and like taking Blech. little sips out of his weird water. Later, Ed would reveal that he had lost time three additional times in his life before this moment. So it was this last instance where he was home alone. Mm -hmm. Once, eight years before that. Another time, another eight years before that. And the first time, eight years before that. So, seems like he's um, marked. Seems like it. First time he had an experience, he was 17 years old. He was riding his bike when he noticed a large black dog following him around. He thought the dog was following him deliberately. And when he got home, the dog sat outside of his house staring at him for like 30 minutes. And then the dog just kind of like dipped out. But he said it was moving in like a weird way. Like it looked like human-like almost. And it was like making weird eye contact with him. Okay. Later that night, as he was sleeping... As he was sleeping, he felt a force press down on the outside of his mattress. When he opened his eyes, there 
there moving around the room were little shadow figures. A light shone through his bedroom window and it reflected off of a bald alien's head just six inches away from his face. The bedroom that he was sleeping in, he shared with his older brother. So luckily, when Ed shouted for help, his brother heard him and was like, we got to get out of here. His brother grabs him. They leave the room together, shut the door, and they're sitting outside, like just waiting. Mm -hmm. They decide after a few minutes that it's just time to go back in, see what's going on. So they flip the light on and they notice that they notice that the floor is super wet and there's little wet footprints all over the place. That's when they both realized that there was a sprinkler on outside and they could hear like the water hitting the side of the house. Mm-hmm. Ed's brother also noticed that Ed was soaking wet, but Ed had no memory of going outside. Interesting. Eight years after this, Ed was driving at night when suddenly his car just stopped working. He got out to check what the problem was, and he noticed an approaching motorcycle coming like from the opposite direction, like towards him. But this motorcycle's headlight grew in size until it reached him, and it shot up into the sky. He freaks the fuck out. He jumps back into his car, which just works now all Wait, of a he, sudden. he actually jumped in it and not under it this time? Yeah, I know. Crazy. Wow. Kind of uncharacteristic. Wow. Yeah. So he jumps into the car and starts it, and it totally works. He speeds off, goes back home. He says that as he's driving home, this light is following him, and it's, like, going, like, on top of his car, behind his car, like, totally trying to fuck with him. Okay. Then all of a sudden... He wakes up, and it's six hours later. His car is pulled over on the side of the road. He's in the driver's seat, seatbelt on and everything, but he has absolutely no memory of what happened these last six hours. So why is he acting like such a fucking freak about this if they've been doing this his whole life? Like, shouldn't he just expect it at this point? I don't know. It's it's giving, like, old <laughs> like, man aliens. yells at clap. What are those? Right? Like, he's seeing this over and over, and... All of a sudden, he's like, you can't take me, you bastards. They're like, we've literally taken you like five other times in your life. Relax. I also feel like if if I'm dating someone and they're being stalked by aliens for their entire life, right? And they Mm -hmm. simply don't disclose this to me. I'm going to kind of be annoyed. Yeah. Like either. You just neglected to tell me that. Right. So I don't know how Francis is doing it, but this is cutting into their life the third time he lost memory he was 33 years old ed had gone on a fishing trip by himself and he was sitting in his little canoe in the middle of a lake the boat was you know like boats like rock around the yes right in the water so it stops completely still like it's frozen in the middle of the lake almost as if it had like run ashore like it hit something like there's something under it holding it still Mm, okay like a sandbar or something possibly So he looks down into the water and he sees a bunch of bubbles forming and then a large green metallic thing kind of rising to the surface underneath him. He wakes up eight hours later on the shore with no memory of what happened. Hmm. This is my favorite part of the whole story. Okay. I mean, I'm so glad that this is a part of the story, too, because this is always the best part. This is my favorite part of all of it. Some years later, Ed goes to a hypnotist to uncover these lost memories. Yeah. The hypnotist is like, okay, it's 
going to take a few sessions to like kind of get comfortable with each other so you can go into this deep trance and we can really like get into your brain. Mm -hmm. He also does this cool thing where the hypnotist tells him he's going to communicate with him just using his left hand. So Mm -hmm. he puts his left hand on on his knee, Ed does. And if Ed wants to like answer a question, he moves like his pinky finger Mm-hmm. Or if he doesn't want to answer, he moves his thumb. Like it's all like silent communication. So in case he's frozen in this trance and he can still hear the hypnotist, he can kind of like tell him what to do. Okay. Which is so clever. So his hypnotist is telling him, it's going to take a few sessions. Um, why don't you practice at home meditating and use, you know, the little finger key with your hand and it will kind of help next time we do a session, you'll be able to get into the trance faster go deeper and we can move forward. Mm -hmm. So he's doing this at home. He's meditating. Everything's fine. Like whatever. And one time he says he goes into his bedroom to do this trance and he falls deep into a trance. He was transported to his childhood home on the night where him and his brother were sleeping next to each other. And he saw the aliens in his room in the trance. He claims to have seen the black dog. The black dog from his memory. He said the dog is moving super weird in like a robotic way. And it's like throwing its head around almost Mm -hmm. in like a weird like jerky fashion. And he knows something's off. Suddenly he's in his bedroom and there's the little men all around his bed. And they're jacking him off. (laughs) Why does this keep happening in our stories? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, it's for science this time. It's for science. So... So Ed is sitting on his bed, right? This is cut to like the real world, not not trance Ed. Mm-hmm. So Ed in the waking world is sitting on his bed. Francis is in the room with him. His two children are in the room with him also. Okay. Because Francis thought it would be like, wouldn't be a good idea if Ed did trances by himself just in case. E- yeah. Which is, yeah. I mean, reasonable. He could, I don't know, sleepwalk or do something weird. Yeah. So what if something happens, yeah. right? So she's in the room with Ed, but also she's like, our children should be watching this too for some fucking reason. So they're all sitting around watching Ed. He's talking out loud, but he's saying like really incoherent things like a a dog. It's, it's a dog. It's a dog. And then he starts acting like he's getting jacked off. Like, is he feeling pleasure? Like his dick is getting hard and he's like, like, uh, 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 uh. And his kids are like, what the fuck is dad doing? They're like, can we leave? Can I go to my room? Yeah. So he's sitting on his bed, like having a fucking orgasm in front of his children. It's awkward. And Francis slaps him super hard in the face. <laughs> and he comes out of the trance. So this was his own doing, though. This He, he, he has this. no hypnotist. He is just meditating on his own. Correct. This time he does Wild. this on his own. Wow. And he, I wish like, I could meditate like that. Yeah. I, you know what? I fucking wish I could too. <laughs> just meditate and just like have a monster orgasm. Right? Yeah. Sounds like a great time, Sounds honestly. Like a really good time. It does. Just don't do it in front of your children, please. I don't have any. Perfect. So, in that case, boom. Perfect. During one of his real hypnotism sessions, because he goes back to the hypnotist and he tells him what happens, and the hypnotist is like, okay, maybe we don't do that anymore. <laughs> like, you know, just hear me out. Maybe we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So he's back at the hypnotist 
And he does a session that brings him back to the night in the car where he lost the six hours. Okay. In the recovered memory, he claims to wake up in a room that he describes as looking like porcelain, like solid porcelain. It's shiny. It's white. Everything smells like burned cinnamon. He wanders out of the room into a hall where he hears children crying. He goes into another porcelain-looking room, and he sees two children that are bawling their eyes out. He has no idea who these children are, like, who they are. He's like, I don't have a baby. I don't know what this is about. Mm -hmm. But he gets this overwhelming sense that he needs to save these children. So in an effort to help the children, he's leading them down this hallway, out, like, out of the room, down the hallway. He's looking for a door to leave, and he is immediately confronted by three Komodo dragons that are walking on their hind legs. What? They're like human-sized Komodo dragons. Are we sure they're not paranormal investigators? Investigators. Investigators. Come, it all comes back. I think it might be. I think they might be. I think that investigator should be like <laughs> the bad cop, and then he has like a human counterpart. They're walking on their legs. That's what I said. <laughs> it's exactly. It's them. Wow. If this is this is the investigator. It has to be. <laughs> So there's three of these Komodo dragon, like, reptilian dudes, and they start running towards them down this hallway. Ed picks up the children, and he's now running away from these Komodo dragon, reptilian, alien people, whatever. Investigators. Investigators. He sees a bucket in the hallway and thinks, I'm going to put these kids in this bucket. <laughs> okay. So he puts them in this bucket to, like, hide them, and then he takes off all of his clothes and he throws them at the lizards. Dude, this dude just with getting naked all of the time. It's kind of his thing. Yeah. So he throws his clothes at the lizard. And suddenly a blue beam hits the Komodo dragons. And they're frozen in place. The next thing he knows, a gray alien with white hair and massive titties <laughs> shows up in the hallway. No. Yes. It's like she was so fucking sexy. Like pure white hair. You just couldn't stop looking at it. Alien titties. body, but like giant tits and white hair. Like, what is his name? Roger from American Dad when he does drag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly like that. <laughs> so this alien says this to him. That was a distraction. You have to understand. You are one of 13. In sleep, you know. That was my sexy alien voice. That was so fucking sexy. Thank you. I, wow, I'm going to take all my clothes off and throw them in the lizard right now. <laughs> I think you should. And then he snaps out of this and he's in the hypnotist's office. And the hypnotist is like, um, okay, cool. I'm just going to write that down. <laughs> it's just like, yep. Yeah. Uh, sure. Got it. So in the next session, he goes into the fishing incident he claims that when he was he claims that when he was in the boat, he also got abducted by the aliens and he was sitting like on on their ship and he's sitting in a row in all these chairs with other little gray aliens. They're all wearing these devices like helmets almost on their heads mm -hmm. that he knows is connecting all of their brains. So they're all sharing a, like a wavelength right now when they're sitting in this device. Okay. And then he hears in his head, 
And it's like chanting over and over and over. That's creepy. Yeah. And then in February of 1988, Ed takes a lie detector test. I heard that he, well, I read that he took two in some places it says it, in other places just one, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. But he completely passes this lie detector test, and the examiner comes to the conclusion that, quote unquote, Walters believes his photos and experiences are real. Okay, so he passed. He passed. And then he does, yeah, and he does this hypnotist thing. So, like, there's a lot of doctors kind of, or, like, you know, people of authority confirming that he believes what happened to him is 100% real. Yeah. But I just want to bring up that it's not that difficult to, like, trick a lie detector test. No, I mean, they're not admissible in court for that exact reason. Yeah, like, if you believe it's true, then your body will say that you believe it's true. Yeah. And a lot of people believe a lot of shit that isn't actually real. So I watched a video today of a woman saying that the sky was fake because the moon and sun were out at the same time. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm done. I'm just going to leave. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're at as a society. Yeah. Yeah. Along with the note, along with the local newspapers receiving tons of reports of aliens MUFON also was receiving like a ton of calls from the Gulf Breeze area they actually set up a hotline that they closed and I think it was 2000 the year 2000 specifically to answer like all these reports from the Gulf Breeze area Mm -hmm. the most interesting account there's there's tons and tons of these I'm just going to read a few that I thought were sort of fun So the most interesting account, in my opinion, comes from someone called Patrick Hanks. He was a college student, and he was friends with Ed's son. Hmm. Patrick is the only one outside of the Walters family to have seen a UFO in first person in the company of Ed Walters. Okay. Patrick goes over to Ed's house, and he's greeted by Francis, opens the door. He's there to see their son, Don. And Francis points to the back of the house. And she whispers, it's here, outside. Patrick walked into the house and he saw a craft hovering in the backyard through the back window. Ed was outside working on the pool pump again for some fucking reason. (laughs) And he suddenly looks up and runs inside like he's avoiding this UFO that he didn't see or hear even though it was hovering above him. Mm. Seems to be a lot of that in this entire episode right the craft zips away the moment that ed makes eye contact with patrick and patrick is looking out the back window like what the fuck is going on here Mm. and ed's like oh yeah that happens so how long i mean do you know how long from like when this first well it started like a while back for him but I mean, it seems like the visits are, like, constant now. Like, they used to wait eight years and then come back. Are they just, like, constantly checking on him now? Yeah, it's November 11th, 1987 is when it starts. And then the last one is May 1st. What did I say? 89, I think. Mm, Okay. Or 88, maybe. Um, So that's, like, when all of this is happening in that time period. Interesting. In July of 1988, a couple called Fenner and Shirley McDonald were awoken at 2 a.m. by an orange UFO hovering in their backyard. 
They saw the light through the window and they got up to see it. They claimed that they had seen a disc-shaped airplane with no wings. Shirley had recognized what the craft was from the newspaper photos that she saw in the Sentinel and said that. I saw that exactly. Mm, Okay. So she called in the sighting to MUFON and they just added it to the list. In March seven on March seventeenth of nineteen eighty eight, a councilwoman from the Gulf Breeze area named Brenda Pollock reported seeing an orange light along the treetops while driving across the Pensacola Bay Bridge. She told her husband Buddy what happened when she got home, and he was like, You're never gonna fucking believe this. I was just with Ed Walters at the Shoreline Park looking at photos of a UFO. I guess it was him and like a bunch of other people and they're all hanging out with Ed at the Shoreline Park and the group decides like, all right, we're all going to go home. It's time for dinner, whatever. So they break up. They go their separate ways. But Ed wants to stay at the park a little longer. So they all say bye. Ed's at the park. And suddenly everyone that's leaving saw an orange light just above the area that they had just been in, like an orange light emanating from the area. They ran back to see if Ed was all right, and they found that he had just taken more photos of a UFO that none of them saw, but he managed to take photos. They did see a bright light, though. So he took photos, but he didn't develop them yet. It was with his... MUFON camera. No, this was with his um, his little camera, his little Polaroid camera. So they develop on the spot. Yeah, so they saw them then, right? Yeah, they saw the pictures. Oh, I thought you said they didn't see them. No, they didn't see the UFO in the sky. Oh, once again, dude. Yeah, but they saw the pictures. Mm. Brenda would go on to report another sighting almost two years later, and I think she just called the police for that one. Another couple called Mary and Art Hufford claimed to have seen, quote-unquote, something gray, oval, and silent fly over the treetops when they were driving in early November of 1987. They called the newspaper to say that they too had seen the same craft that was shown in Mr. X's photos. Hmm. On February 8th of 1989, Jeff Thompson and his 12-year-old son saw a small craft hover outside of their home for about 10 minutes before Jeff decided that he was going to approach this craft with a flashlight. So he leaves his house, he's got his big mag light, and he's shining it, and he's walking up to it, and he says that the craft was only about three feet wide and two feet high, and when he shined his light on it, the craft made like a cracking noise, like ice cracking, and then it disappeared. He also said that he saw two military jets chasing an aircraft like this, like a a UAP, Mm -hmm. in the sky in November of that year. Because they're right by that Navy base. Yeah, they're right there. There's, I think, a Navy base and an Air Force base right there. Oh, okay. On January 8th of 1990, the same day that Brenda had her second sighting, a group of people, along with a man named Jerry Thompson, spotted 13 pinkish-orange lights in the sky. They were doing, like, a weird pattern formation that none of them recognized, and they were blinking, and then they suddenly disappeared. They also, this entire group, reported seeing eight helicopters chasing a UFO in the sky on the same day. By this time, everyone in the community knows that Ed is this mysterious Mr. X. Mr. X. Because he just, like, won't shut up about it. He's like, yeah, you know those uh, you know those photos in the newspaper? 
<laughs> newspaper. Yeah, I know him. I Classic know. Florida guy, you know. <laughs> I know Mr. X. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, you might say we're uh, one in the same. If you catch, catch what I'm saying here. Some might say that, yeah. Yeah, some people say that. And everyone's like, Ed, did you take the photos of the, did you take these did photos? Did you do this, Ed? Well, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> like, Ed, did you take the photos? It's like, yeah, I took them. It was me. So when MUFON came to Golf Breeze, they had already heard of Ed Walters like several times because it was just like the talk of everything. Mm-hmm. So when they got there, they already had like some kind of lore about Ed. Like they knew, kind of knew who he was. They talked to a few people about him. Some people said that he was a prankster. Other people that other people said that he was the most honest man they've ever met. Mm-hmm. So they sent obviously three of their best people. Don, Gary, and the other one I can't remember anymore. Bill? Don, Gary, and Bob are Don reminding Bob. me of, um, God, what are what's, what are the guys? Are they the Lone Rangers from uh, X-Files? God, oh, what are shit. they called? I don't know. They did do an X-Files show about this, though, like an episode. Okay, I'm going to look it up. And, okay. I'm, and everyone's, it's probably not that at all, but... Uh, the lone gunman. The lone gunman. That's what they're giving me the vibes of. <laughs> lone gunman. That's for sure. Them. That's our boys. Led by Mr. I X. something like that. Someone's like, Rangers, you fucking idiot. The director of MUFON at the time, his name was Walter Andres, said that he believed that the incidents were genuine, and he claimed that this was, quote unquote, the best case we have ever had. Wow. However, not everyone believed that Ed was telling the truth. An organization called SUFOS, or the Center for UFO Studies. So many acronyms. I know. When it this, comes to UFO things. This one's legit, though. This one was founded by, do you know who uh, J. Allen Hynek is? Yeah, he's a grifter, though. They're all, they're all fucking Isn't grifters. He? I mean, yeah. Um, I know him from the Stargazer Operation Stargazer. He's the one that came up with the encounters, isn't he, too? Like, first oh, encounter, second encounter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has. He wrote. Or the maybe books, he's right? not a grifter. Maybe I'm thinking of. I don't know Gray about, Barker. I don't know he's about the grifting. Um, I just know that he's a he's a ufologist. He's an astronomer. And then he did that cool thing where like they went up in a balloon and they took pictures from like the stratosphere and then like mm-hmm. they dropped back down. Mm-hmm. So Sufos was founded by J. Allen Hynek. So I feel like they're I don't know maybe a little bit more legit than Mufon. They stated that they believed that Ed Walter's photos were completely fake. Hmm. Okay. They claimed that this was super obvious because the windows on the crafts weren't spaced evenly. Yeah. And they also claimed that there was a waviness in the photos that suggests that they were taken near or the photos reflected off of water, which confused me at first. And then I th- I think this is what they're saying. Like he was taking a photo of water. Mm hmm. That like was still enough to reflect the sky. So if you dangle like a little fake toy, you can oh. kind of get it off frame and it looks like it was in the sky. That's what I'm getting from this. I don't. How would that? I don't know. Waviness. The quote is waviness in the photos suggesting that they were taken near or reflected off of water. Okay. So I don't fucking know what that means. Yeah. I don't know how you would fake that with that, but uh, maybe somebody's figured it out. <laughs> Like I said, Ed Walters was known around his neighborhood to be like a little bit of a prankster. Ed also came out publicly as an amateur photographer. 
and I guess he had been like known for taking really cool double exposure photos, like of like pictures of like a person sitting with like a devil behind them or something. Mm -hmm. But I don't really know how you do that with a Polaroid camera. I don't know if this is different somehow and like it's easier to do. I'm unfamiliar with this type of Polaroid. So I, yeah, I have no idea about anything that has to do with cameras, so I'm not the guy to ask. The images that Ed had taken were also examined by a man called Robert Nathan, who worked at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. He stated, quote, many of these images are double exposure photographs. Hmm. And that he, quote, had a feeling that there is some kind of cut and paste on the surface. They kind of look like that, though. A little bit. They look like it's something that's, I don't know. They just don't look. Like, right. It, yeah, it doesn't look like there's something in the sky. It looks like either something's like being dangled. Like, the proportions don't look right is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't know. Also, weirdly, the mayor of Gulf Breeze, a man called Ed Gray, wanted to see these photos. And he said these are 100% fakes. So I don't know why he's considered an expert on this, but he, like, made a public statement like these photos are fake. He's the mayor of Gulf Breeze and the mayor of Polaroids. I fucking guess so. Ed Gray, Polaroid enthusiast. An optical physicist and ufologist called Bruce Maccabee investigated five of Ed's Polaroids, and he stated, quote, I think there's a good chance that these are the real thing. Maccabee had even given Ed advice on how to take photos to give them more credibility. Mm -hmm. He told them he told him to take two Polaroid cameras and mount them on a beam, like an equal distance apart. So when you take a photo, like they'll take at the same time and you can use that to triangulate what you're imaging. So it's like from slight different angles, like camera one, camera two at the same thing. <laughs> camera one, camera two. Well, yeah, and then that makes it harder to fake because if you're hitting it from all different angles, you know. At the same time. Yeah. Bruce McAbee also stated that even though some say the photographs are fake, what really matters most is the numerous other eyewitness accounts, which, again, there's like 30 of them. Mm -hmm. 30 different people are claiming that they yeah, are Yeah, that's where I'm like hung up because like I don't know if I believe Ed but every like so many other people were also seeing these things in the sky around the same time. Yeah, sometimes the same day I saw things. But one article about a UFO in a town newspaper can just set everyone off and every single thing that they see is a UFO. Yeah, mass hysteria. And style. if there's an Air Force base nearby, mm -hmm. there's a lot of shit already in the sky. So Right. So I don't know. Uh, who knows? Some believe that Dwayne, remember Dwayne of journalists, Dwayne Cook. Of journalist fame. <laughs> yes. He had, some people say that Dwayne had been in on this whole incident on the road situation where he was videotaping Ed and Ed was like, is my face moving? Because the acting in it was just super bad. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's not really proof of anything. Well, yeah, like why was he, why were they, why was he deciding to videotape them? Like he literally supposedly had his video camera out. Mm-hmm. And w was filming, but somehow didn't film the UFO. Right. No one sees this UFO except what? this one boy. Yes. Also in the backyard through the house. Right. I don't know. It just seems. Uh. Yeah. How is Ed the only one capable of getting a picture of it? I don't know. But I'm just going to say I have a conspiracy theory about this. Okay. What is it? So if Dwayne Cook knew that the photos were fake or suspected them of being fake, 
he would be afraid that maybe like his journalistic integrity would be questioned. So to okay. kind of up like the legitimacy of this whole story in the newspaper, he said like, I'm going to, we're going to go along with this. I'm going to also have proof of some sort. Like I was there. Eyewitness account. Right. Which would be the video camera, which right. you would think he would have gotten the UFO on camera. Fucking something. <laughs> yes. Fucking something. Yeah. Not just Ed being like, is my eye moving? How is, is there like moving? a UFO in the sky and you don't hear it, but Ed can hear the humming and like, right? I don't know, nothing else changes and you need to look in the direct, the right spot in the sky in order to see it. Like what? Right. So. Doesn't make sense to me. A paranormal investigator named Ray Stanford believed that the clouds in the background of Ed's first photos from November 11th of 1987, Mm -hmm. he thinks that the clouds would have looked different based on what he saw the weather was that day. Like he looked up what, if it was like overcast or whatever, he's like, there's no way the clouds would look like that. Okay. On this day. Okay. What was it like raining or what? I don't fucking know, but I'm just going to say like, does he wasn't there. So like, how the fuck does he know? What yeah. This that's guy not was a like? good platform to stand on, no, sir. Absolutely not. The weather is always wrong. Also. It was thunderstorming earlier today and now it's bright and sunny out. So. Right. <laughs> Later on, this man, Ray Sanford is corrected. So someone says, actually, like, this is what the sky would have looked like that night based off of these weather reports that are actual because these were taken in the area. Mm-hmm. And Ray Stanford's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, like, those photos might be real, but, like, I bet Ed's just, like, this is all a hoax, actually. So he, like, kind of recants, but then, like, doubles down on being like, well, maybe that's what the sky looked like, but, like, maybe also not. I don't know. You don't know. Why don't you just pick another reason for why it could be fake? Just, like, why did the clouds have to be the only reason like, for why it's fake? Let it go, Ray. What's happening right now? I don't understand. But the real smoking gun for this whole, like, doubt when it comes to Ed okay. comes from a very compelling piece of evidence that was found. On June 10th, 1990, after the Walters had moved out of their home, the new homeowners claimed to have found a model UFO made of four foam, like foam, like paper plates. Okay. And some drafting paper. Okay. The drafting paper had Ed Walters' handwriting on it. Hmm. And they like found this in their attic, in their house. So it was... A model of the UFO? I don't know. So they were approached by a journalist about the model and they like did this whole thing, like this whole like tell all about how Ed is probably lying. And the journalist goes to Ed and says, Would you take a polygraph test to prove that this was real? Ed says, I won't take a polygraph test, but I will sign a sworn statement denying any knowledge of. A model UFO, which is what he does. Okay. But the homeowner who finds the model also signs a sworn statement. But it's super vague. So it says, quote, I do not know who made it, but I found the model in the house. I'm looking at the model right now, and it looks exactly like what he has in his pictures. And it looks exactly like what I said it looked like with two paper, two plates, yeah. small plates glued together as the bottom, and then a n- glued to the bottom of a bigger plate. And then there's like a piece 
around like a strip like around where he mm-hmm. got clearly cut out like holes for windows and then there's another big plate on top of that yeah it looks exactly like the photo yeah like exactly like it i don't believe him at all the drafting paper that was used on the model had like little windows cut out they looked like they were cut out with like an exacto knife mm-hmm. but on the other side of it it was blueprints for dimensions of a house located on jamestown drive it was written in what's believed to be Ed Walter's handwriting. And after digging, the journalists found that there were two permits taken out for homes on Jamestown Drive. By Ed. By Ed. Busted. Why would you leave that? (laughs) That's so stupid. Something weird, though, is that the new homeowners didn't disclose this model to anyone, even though they had lived there for like two and a half years after the Walters moved out. Okay. They claim that they found this under the insulation in the home's attic, mm-hmm. but only thought to tell someone when a journalist asked if they had found anything weird in the house. Well, maybe they didn't think anything. Like, maybe they hadn't seen the photos. Maybe. Maybe they didn't. And then they were like, oh, wait. And we'll then they hang on to this for two years. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. My dad has weird shit that he's found in my house that he just keeps in our basement for Actually, no fucking reason. That's true. <laughs> so, Yeah. It's not that out of uh, out of the ordinary. It's a classic dad move, actually. It is a dad it. move. Yeah. Ed claimed he knew nothing about the model, but he would later say that Francis was told by a former neighbor that a stranger with out-of-state license plates entered their garage one day, pulled the attic stairs down, entered the attic, came out of the attic, and then left. Okay. Sure, Jan. Yeah. So Frances told Ed that a neighbor told her this. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter. The it's the handwriting and the um the drafting paper the uh what's the Jamestown Drive. Yeah, right? That's the piece of evidence. That's a like, coincidence. It was clearly your paper, Ed. Something strange about the paper model, like the paper that the model was made out of though, is that this paper on it was for plans for a house that was built two years after the first photos were taken. Two years after? So this house was built two years in in 89. Okay. So that's when the plans were, like, dated and, like, drawn drawn for this house. Mm -hmm. But the photos of the spacecraft were taken in 87. Hmm. So this was cut up. But are they they dated? Were they dated? Or was it just when the house... the house was built i don't know i saw maybe they were dated i saw definitely the house was built in 89 so it could have been preliminary drafts that yeah, he just I like mean, didn't need the, so the we dra- cut up the drafts would be before the house is built so that would make sense yeah i don't know it's just kind of weird right and you remember tommy smith the boy who ed tried to get to take the photos oh, newspaper yeah. for him yes he came out around this time the time that the model was found And he stated that Ed had tried to pay him to lie about the photos and to take them to the newspaper for him. He said that they were outside and Ed was like taking a bunch of pictures and was like, oh, look, there's aliens in this picture. I'll pay you to take these. And like Tommy was like, well, you're lying. And Ed's like, if you shut up, I'll give you money if you just take these. Well, that would track for why he didn't do it because he want to get in trouble for lying. Yeah, but. Also around this time, Tommy's dad was running against Ed for city council. (laughs) 
So Ed oh, thinks that okay. Tommy was like running a smear campaign against him. Yeah. So people wouldn't vote for him. Well. Against Tommy's dad. That's also possible. He very much did not win though. Like. Yeah. Cause he was the guy who freaking screamed about UFOs <laughs> for the last two years. Also, supposedly Tommy had been banned from coming to Ed's house to hang out with his son, Dan, because Tommy was like a troublemaker and would just like fucking break shit in their house. So Ed thinks maybe he lied. He's lying about Ed's like Ed telling the truth because he's mad at Ed. Why would Ed give the papers, the trusted papers that he wanted to send a newspaper to a kid who was known as the neighborhood uh, troublemaker, though? I don't know. Unless he, what he was asking him to do was a lie and he didn't care if the kid got in trouble or caught. Maybe. I don't know. It's a thick story. Mm. Tommy did come forward with photos that no one else had seen before this that he claimed that he took on the same day as Ed Walters. Mm. Those photos were sent off for analysis and they came back as authentic. Like they were 100% confirmed, not double exposure. And there were, there was like a UFO in one of Tommy's photos. So with Ed's photos, when they sent them out, did they test them for double exposure and were they, did they come back? It at? was like mixed. Like they couldn't people tell. thought they were, people thought they weren't. Oh, okay. Where do so, you send a photo So that for test analysis? really isn't like concrete. I guess not. I don't really know how it works. Okay. Ed would go on to make about $200,000 from a book deal. And... He was named the head of the Gulf Breeze UFO conference that was held by MUFON for a few like a few years in a row. Mm-hmm. But interest died out and they stopped having it there. In 1990, Bruce Maccabee came back and he's the one that said, like, I believe Ed, I think the photos are real 100 mm-hmm. percent. He came back and he made a statement and he said upon further analysis that he did believe some, if not all of Ed, Ed's photos were fake. Bruce Maccabee says, I do believe in aliens. I do believe in UFOs. I do think that they are real and there are legitimate sightings, but I think Ed Walters is full of shit. I agree with that. You think Ed Walters lied? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I believe this one actually for the first time. Yeah. I feel like he is full of shit. I'd like to think it's somewhere in between. Like maybe like he did get abducted when he was young and stuff. And that, because I believe in aliens, I think that they abduct yeah, people. Yeah, I think he's full of shit. I think that he probably did make a model, and he took a bunch of fucking shitty photos. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I want to see proof. I want to see bodies. Yeah. Here's what I think happened. I think that maybe they did see something in the sky, and like that's the why everyone saw it. Yeah. But when he saw it, also saw it in the sky, it was like a light bulb went off in his head, and he was like. Mm. I can make money from this. And then from that point on, everything he did was just like faked to like make it seem like they were still there. And he got this photo and that photo and did that. And like, just kind of like took that little thing that everyone saw in the sky and like elaborated on it. And then made this whole story about how he used to get abducted all of the time. I think everything he has said that Ed said was bullshit though. It could be. I I do believe that there were sightings. Mm -hmm. Um, the photos are fucking fun. I'm going to say it. <laughs> They're so fake. All the photos are so fun. I love this shit, but they don't look real. They don't look real at all. And also, the craft looks exactly the same like every single time. I don't know. It's just 
they're like too perfect. Like they're too good of photos. In this one though, it literally looks like the craft, like it's not even like it's like the craft is like lopsided as if somebody made a shitty model of it. Like the bottom half of it is not, it's not, it's straight. It's like crooked as if somebody crookedly glued on plates. The one in the street, is that what you mean? No, the one, actually that one's kind of crooked too. The one in the sky is really crooked. Yeah, they all pretty much look exactly like this little model, too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's sort of fun, but it's very... I don't know. I want to believe. I think Ed's kind of full of shit because Ed's a goofy guy, but otherwise, it's sort of fun. Yeah, his craft kind of looks like a hamburger, though. Doesn't it, it? It looks like a cake or something to like me. Like a macaroon. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like a floating macaroon. A giant macaroon. All right. I was going to do a listener mail, but this one's a little long, so we'll save that one for next week. Okay. Well, if anyone wants to send us a listener lore that we can read on a future episode, you can send that to quiteunusualpod at gmail.com, or you can go to our website, and you can submit one there. That website is quiteunusualpod.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe. You can give us uh, five stars on Apple, five stars on Spotify. Anything less than that, though, we don't want it. So just don't do that. Don't. <laughs> Actually, you can. I don't care. I don't care. It's whatever. You can do, do what you whatever. want. You can also leave comments on episodes now on Spotify. You can. It's which is super fun. fun. Yeah. We also have a Patreon. If you are interested in seeing, I don't know, what else we're, we're up to. Like we mentioned earlier in this episode. Yes, we do a bunch of fun activities. Um, We're going to do this little Patreon hangout next month. We post lots of videos on there. We just went shopping at Michael's for a bunch of stupid Halloween shit. Code orange, code orange. So you can watch us do it there. And we have a couple patrons to, well, we have one patron. Well, we have one. But I, so last week I mispronounced a name or two weeks ago. I don't know. I mispronounced a name. It is pronounced easy. Well, welcome. Welcome. Easy. Now pronounced correctly. And also, I'd like to welcome Molly M. to the coven. Welcome, Molly. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye. And this is the part of the show where we give praise to the all-knowing leaders, the supporters of the podcast, the benevolent beings our coven members. To Tim M., a gentleman and a lawyer who specializes in space law, Tim is your go-to if you need to take any Venusians to small claims court. He's a great lawyer. Evan K., who can be often found at Skinwalker Ranch. You can find him selling tickets to the interdimensional wormhole ride. Ooh, that sounds fun. Gaty T, who recently got a part-time job as a referee in the galaxy's biggest wiffleball championship. She really has her work cut out for her. Everyone knows how Zeta Reticulans cheat. They are dirty cheaters, aren't they? Adam Kay, a wildlife photographer who can't get Bigfoot to stop photobombing his nature photos. Maybe... I don't know, try a restraining order, cease and desist. Well, at least they're always blurry. That's true. John S. doesn't believe reptilians are real, but he is roommates with a giant talking Komodo dragon. That's just Doug, though. Not an alien. No, not an, just 
just a coincidence, I no. think. Yes. Caitlin R. is on the no abduct list for grey aliens. She just won't stop stealing things from their spacecrafts. And honestly, it's getting too expensive to replace all those stainless steel probing devices. Alex C., the commander of a secret government starfleet. The benefits include amazing outfits and all the astronaut ice cream she can eat. But the con is that we can't quite figure out how to get off the planet. It's a pretty big... Oh, yes. <clears throat> I couldn't talk there for a second, sorry. There was space gunk in my mouth. Jeff S., who has a theory that not only is the Earth flat, but it's like an Oreo. There's another Earth, right? And it's on the other side. And there's a creamy feeling in the middle. And if you were to bite into it, it might be chocolate. He's not sure about that, but he knows that there's two Earths in the flat. Sounds delicious, to be honest with you. Sounds right to me. Lenore M. Lenore knows the real unsolved mysteries are the friendships we've made along the way. Touching. Justin W. Justin has been out traveling the cosmos, looking for signs of intelligent life. But all he found were more humans. Get it? Because we're not intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Hilarious. Molly M., the newest member of our coven. Lucky for her, we aren't allowed to haze new recruits anymore. Instead, they are all given puppies and ice cream and little pins that say coven member and a party in their honor and a star named after them. It's not fair. I miss the hazing. Me too. Thank you to all of our coven members. Without you, we would be nothing. We would be. We are. We're not Worthy. It would just be like space skunk. Like space skunk. Like, like the a black <sighs> thing you found underneath Ed's fingernails. Yeah, just like you put it in a bag and like you never get it tested. Because like we just don't have the technology. No. We're not worthy of the technology. Mm-mm. We're not worthy. 